Hello. We're looking at the parables of the kingdom. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, we have a set of parables where Jesus is helping us to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. So this set has been entitled The Kingdom Explained. Next time we're going to look at another set of parables from Luke's Gospel under the subheading of The Kingdom Displayed. So I'm going to ask Mandy to give us our Bible reading shortly, but first of all let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this chance to look at the teaching of your Son and our Saviour. Lord, the one who came to this world to rescue us, to be our Saviour, to die for us, to rise again victoriously from the dead, and the one who is alive today, who we trust and follow. He is our King. We're in his kingdom, and we want to understand the nature of the kingdom, and we want to faithfully serve and follow our King. And look forward to that day when we can bow before him our majesty and be in his presence for eternity. Lord, we thank you. You have great plans for your people. That one day your kingdom will be unveiled in all its glory and power and majesty. And you, Lord, in charge of it. Lord, displaying your power and your authority. And Lord, we look forward to that day. But for now, Lord, we know as we've looked at these parables that to... Being in your kingdom now is a time of challenge, a time of persecution for many Christians, a time of difficulty as we share in the brokenness of this world, as we deal with the enemies of the sin in our hearts, the nature, our natures, and with the world around us, the influences, and the devil himself. But we thank you that we have a great king to follow, a faithful king to follow. Please help us to follow faithfully teach us now as we look into your word we pray this in our great king jesus name amen thank you mandy the reading is matthew chapter 13 starting at verse 47 the parable of the net once again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish when it was full the fishermen pulled it up on the shore Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, Every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. First of all, let's try to build up a summary of the picture of what these parables tell us about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like the farmer sowing the seed. The kingdom of heaven will be spread by the word of God, inviting people, inviting individuals, and them responding to God's invitation. The kingdom of heaven is like the wheat field with weeds in it. The citizens of the kingdom will live among people of the world and experience the work of the enemy. The kingdom of heaven is like mustard seed. The kingdom will not begin in majestic glory It begins in small insignificance. 
but will grow to be a blessing to so many. It's like the yeast. The kingdom begins in hidden ways, but its influence grows over time. What is the kingdom of heaven like? It's like the hidden treasure and the priceless pearl. Some seem to find the kingdom by accident. Some have a long search. But those who come into the kingdom realise it is worth more than everything to have the kingdom. In Matthew 4 verse 17, we see how the Lord Jesus has declared that his kingdom has come near. Now the world is under the illegal rule of the devil. Humanity is in rebellion against heaven. God has always been active, intervening, limiting evil, helping his people. But now, like never before, God has come. Come to take back active rule over his world. Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. The kingdom is near because the king has come. Now, as we've said before, the Jewish people were expecting this. There were many prophecies. But there was the popular idea of the kingdom that was nationalistic, military and immediate. But Jesus has been at pains to teach them and us that God's kingdom did not come over the hill like the cavalry. It has come to take over the hearts and minds of individuals, not by force or coercion, but by gently bringing a message. And by heaven's infiltrators, disciples, living as open, non-secret agents, living transformed and distinctive lives, gospel preaching, willing to suffer. Until the end of this age, the seeds of the kingdom, God's people, will share the world with the seeds of the evil one. It's going to be a difficult mission, but the end will be worth it. Like a tiny mustard seed, the kingdom is planted, growing eventually into a tree, spreading over time to reach the world like a small portion of yeast mixed in the dough, hidden in obscurity, yet working, growing, influencing from the inside out. The great king, his method of restoring his kingdom to his rightful rule was not to coerce, coerce or, or to condemn, but instead to lay down his life, to say to the rebels, you have sinned against me, and deserve the judgment of heaven. But I am going to pay the price for you, the ransom for rebels. Repent, believe, follow me, and you will be part of my kingdom. This is something of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Secondly, the gospel net catches all kinds of fish. We're at the last parable in this part of the series, these parables that explain the kingdom, and verse 47 says, Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. As we see in the New Testament, the church is the visible manifestation of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Thousands of local churches across the world, gatherings of disciples, their lives, their words, their behavior, their influence, like yeast in the dough, that is the kingdom of heaven at work. And as the church fulfills its mission, sowing the seed, others are gathered in. The kingdom of heaven is also like a net. It draws in, it recruits, it assembles God's people together in communities, living out the principles of the kingdom in and amongst the world of rebels. The gospel that the church lives and preaches draws rebels in. 
In fact, everyone in the church were all rebels before they became Christians. That's what the gospel does. And our mission as now agents of the kingdom of heaven is to keep preaching this message until the end. And of course, the end will be the final new beginning. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And then we have the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the kingdom of heaven is like a net that draws people in, and casting the net is a function of those in the kingdom of heaven, the, the church. Jesus says to his disciples, Matthew 4:19, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. So the gospel net catches all kinds of fish. And thirdly, the church's mission is to gather all kinds of fish. The gospel net gathers in all kinds of people. We can see how Jesus instructed the church to go, to go global, to be international. This was in fulfilment of God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And the church in its mission is to be unprejudiced as to age, wealth, status in life and background, because the net gathers in all kinds into unity. Galatians 3, verse 26. So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now Gordon Keddy in his commentary says this, Make no mistake about it. The Christian church is a mission to reach the whole world for Christ by proselytizing the maximum number of people. The Christian faith is not some inner light for the exclusive use of a limited circle of secret initiates. So, again, the gospel net gathers all kinds of fish. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, reminding them of, of where some of them have come from. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The gospel net gathers in all kinds of fish, saving, transforming people. Now people need the Lord, and there is a heaven and a hell. And the gospel is imperative to save people. The net is set and must be set as wide as possible. And it is dragged along and it gathers up many people, all kinds of people from all backgrounds. This should be our heart. Eventually it will be full and at the end of the age, the contents of the net will be sorted. Back to Matthew 13, 
verse 48. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All kinds are gathered in. This is the mission of the church. Now fourthly, there will be good fish and bad fish in the net and later they will be separated. But let's think about this. The Bible says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous. There is no one who is good enough to have heaven by right. It can only be by God's grace that we are saved. So everyone caught up in the net was bad fish. But the experience of being caught by the gospel has changed the lives of, of some, of many, but others not. Some are good fish, some are bad fish. When that net is finally drawn in, the final assessment and judgment will take place at the end when the gospel has drawn all those in. Now notice that the sorting is not done fish by fish as they are being caught individually. The net is dragged along. More and more fish are filling the net as the gospel goes out over the generations. The church sees more contact with people. More people come along to its meetings. The church visibly grows. The net is getting fuller. But not everyone caught up in the net is changed. Some remain bad fish and later have to be thrown away and burned. We have here a picture of Judgment Day. Verse 49, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In the parable of the weeds in the field, the Lord taught us that the kingdom of heaven is where Christian and non-Christian people share the same world. There are mixed influences. It's a world where God's people have to cope with influences of the devil. In this parable of the net, the Lord is showing us that the church will gather in all kinds of fish, which is positive. The gospel should be without prejudice. The net reaches as wide as possible. There should be a real concern to reach as many. But the church will gather some fish, some people that will never really change. And in the end, God will separate them from the rest and they will face the consequences of their sin. But very simply, not everyone who meets with the church is a Christian. Not everyone who appears to be a Christian or claims they are is a true believer. And the church is not able to prove that every person is the real deal and it's not required by Jesus to make that judgment. As the net is hauled in, we haul it in, and in the end, only God knows people's hearts. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we can't be sure of anybody. It doesn't mean that we can't be sure ourselves that we're saved. But we can't be sure that nobody will turn out to be bad fish. And we have to face this reality. That we can spread the gospel net faithfully. We can rejoice that people are being gathered in. And there will be all sorts of people with all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of struggles. And some will make clear progress with ups and downs, some will really struggle with more downs than it appears than ups. 
Some we will have to preach and teach for and they will seem never to get it. But later on God will break in. On the other hand, some will never get it. Ultimately, only God knows his own. And there's a sense in which we have to face this reality and be committed to just keep pulling in the net. Gordon Kedia again writes this, The preaching of the gospel and even the proper exercise of church discipline does not and cannot and is not designed to make God's kingdom on earth 100% pure. The perfection of the church must await the day of judgment and the glory yet to be revealed. Now, if you're a control freak, if you like everything neat and tidy, if you find it hard to cope with a flux, with a dynamic situation, with some T's not crossed and some threads left untied, then this is difficult. And I think we all find it difficult. But this is why Jesus, our Lord, our King, is telling us this parable about his kingdom. And then again, the popular idea of the day was that the Messiah would straight away separate the, the righteous from the unrighteous and so would begin an age of peace and victory for Israel. And that's not how the kingdom of heaven is going to roll. So, assumptions need to be challenged. The truth is that there will be good fish and bad fish and only right at the end will they be separated out. Now, fifthly, have you understood so far? Jesus asks this question. Having told the seven parables, explain, explaining the kingdom of heaven, he pauses and asks the disciples, have you understood all these things? And they reply, yes. Now when Jesus asks if we understand, it is never just academic, it is always dynamic. To understand is to believe, to trust, to obey, to change. To understand must lead to changes in attitudes and alterations in behaviour. And what Jesus has said about his kingdom not only challenges the pre-held ideas, but also shows how the disciples then and we today are to live in this age. Each of the parables inform us, but each raises questions that we need to ask honestly and to respond to. The Holman commentary on this passage says this, These are the kinds of healthy questions Christians should ask themselves. Will we commit fully to the kingdom, not being driven away by hardship, not being lured away by competing masters? Will we endure evil and hold onto the hope of final justice? Will we, re will we refuse to lose sight of the final kingdom realities, even though the kingdom can seem overwhelmed? at times in this evil world. But the question is, will you? Will you? Having now understood and in committing themselves, the disciples then and now are given another instruction in how to preach and teach in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 52. Jesus says to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Now, New Testament church living and teaching is to keep in the storeroom both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and to see them as two parts of one story, not disjointed parts of two stories. The New Testament is not something utterly different. There are mysteries, of course, things that were hidden in the past, being now revealed, but the New Testament is not a totally different story 
but it's the progression of a story that began with the beginning. It began with the promise to crush the serpent in the Garden of Eden and with God's promises to Abraham and so on. So the ministry of the gospel, the ministry of the net, is to preach the whole Bible as one message, to preach Christ anticipated in the Old Testament and Christ as a fulfillment in the New Testament. And the scribes of the day would have been experts in the law. The scribes around that the disciples would have known of as they grew up would have been experts in the Old Testament. But the scribes in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, Christian scribes, must not be just experts in the law, they need to be experts in how Jesus fulfills the purpose of the law and brings it to its reason to be, to point to Jesus. The Tyndale Bible Commentary says this, that the disciple was to be perceptive and listen to God's words. Then he was to relate the old to the new, that is, the work of Jesus to the revelation already given in the Old Testament. So, have you understood so far that the parables that Jesus is telling us give us a picture of the kingdom that requires commitment, requires a determination, requires a patience, requires a compassion and, and all, these, all these things. It requires a, a change, and a, a, an outlook, a, a way of living that is very radical and it's a tall order and we have to count the cost. Do you understand these things so far? Well, hopefully you're saying yes and I'm committed. Now, the parable of the net makes us ask a question as we go forward, if we have understood it. It challenges us and makes us ask the question, sixthly, what kind of community should we be now in the kingdom of heaven? Now picture a church, the people, because the church is the people, not the building, but picture it as a castle type building. It has small windows, a heavy and reinforced door. It has strong, thick stone walls. It looks sturdy and it's well built, it looks well built from the outside, but on the inside it is extremely comfortable and plush. Everything is all orderly and neat. There is obviously a limit to how many people fit inside this, this building, but if you're in, it's neat, comfortable. Picture another church, the people, a body of people with no boundaries, nothing to mark, what is in or out. There are no pillars, there's no foundation. It's a shapeless collection of people with little clear identity. They just wander around wherever the breeze blows. They're very welcoming usually, but they have no basis or foundation and no clear direction. Now, these may be two extreme pictures, but there are examples of churches that approach these extremes, sadly. Now, picture the third idea of church. And again, church is people, not the building, but we're using the building image here. It has a roof for shelter, but that roof also serves as a giant display board. It is held up by strong pillars and built on a good foundation. There are large openings between the pillars. There are no walls. People are invited in and made welcome, and all sorts of people come and go. The people have core beliefs that shape them, it is not a super tidy church. There are loose threads here and there, 
but people stick to the foundation and they clearly hold up the truth of the gospel they display it for all to see now this is a picture that we actually find in the bible in 1 timothy 3:15 where the apostle paul describes the church of the living god it's the the pillar it's something that holds something up on display it raises something up pillars hold up either roof or some other structure and foundation the place obviously where a solid basis is upon which the pillars stand so the church of the living God is that the pillar and foundation of the truth it is a place where truth is displayed now notice Paul describes the church as a, a foundation with pillars that hold up the truth but with no walls that's interesting back to the parable of the net now what kind of church community do we need to be the Lord is teaching us that we need to learn to live with an element of uncertainty and not have to insist on everything being neat and comfortable for me there will be certainties that will only be revealed at the end of the age JC Ryle wrote this let us learn from this parable that all congregations of professed Christians ought to be regarded regarded as mixed bodies and this means that no preacher no church leader can just teach Christians they must always preach the gospel with a heart to see conversions to see professing Christians established in the gospel for them to come to a greater understanding of the gospel to assume the possibility that some professing believers even church members in the congregation are not really saved and to preach Christ and the way of salvation continually everything must come back to Jesus and how to be saved we the local church are defined and shaped and changed by our love for Christ and his word we are clearly on the foundation and we stand for him we, we hold up his gospel to the world and we are need to be prepared to gather in all kinds of people we are prepared for the reality that not all that we meet with will truly believe and that there will be people that we need to persevere with and love with all kinds of baggage and in the end only the Lord knows those who are truly his and that is going to hurt at times it won't be comfortable at times at times we might prefer to put up the walls and only admit people we like we might be tempted to change the size and the shape of the net not to catch those awkward tiddlers or the scary sharks but no we keep fishing all kinds of fish we keep pulling in the net right to the end we should be concerned for the purity of the church for commitment for godliness and righteousness and we can keep the church pure by limiting it to people like like you and me if we have such a view of ourselves but then I'm not fishing like Jesus like Jesus taught me to we will never have a totally pure church if we are fishing for all kinds so I need to emphasize keeping the church pure by keeping myself pure by my humble commitment by my godliness and my righteousness and and by loving people and living with the the messiness of real life and the real struggles embracing all I reasonably can with a gospel net of truth and love until that day when Jesus sends his angels to sort and separate it's more important to emphasize on my changing than to insist that others change before I will accept them 
and we need to look to our own hearts too. There's an emphasis here that we need to get right. And there's a warning in this parable as well. It is possible to be caught up in the gospel net because your parents are Christians and, and they brought you along and, and you like the people and you know the lingo. Maybe you were invited at some point when your life was going through a difficult spot and the, the people of the church were good to you and you just seemed to fit in. Maybe your husband or, or your wife is a Christian and the truth is that you don't really believe like them but it's easier to go along with things and rather than face the hard truth. There can be a number of ways that the gospel net has caught you up in it but you're not yet saved. Let me urge you, do not leave it too late. Do not leave it too late to take off the mask and to get things sorted between you and God. Let him change you into that good fish. Not good by earning it, but by receiving his gift of grace in Jesus. Repent and believe. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. Well, I pray that the Lord will have spoken to you and blessed you through this message. And if you do have any questions, want any help in any of these areas, then please do uh, do contact me, follow the link on the church website, and we, we'd love to try to be able to help you. And if you want to know more about becoming a Christian and making sure that you're part of that, uh, that, that bunch of good fish, then we'd love to speak to you further on that. Let's pray. Lord, bless your word to our hearts, and Lord God, may our hearts receive it, and may you work in us wonderful things for your glory and honour. Amen.